Hi guys, welcome back. This is Love and Rage from XR Youth US. Today we're going to be talking with some members of our XR Youth LA local group about organizing COVID and how they have experienced everything and how they're adapting. So before we start off, we should introduce our guests. Hi, I'm Zara Asmani. Pronouns, uh, she, her, they, them, whatever you want to use. Um, I am the outreach coordinator in XRYLA and I, I joined because um, I think I went to one of their uh, actions and I really found a community that um, just full of young youth activists who really wanted to make a difference and I knew I wanted to be part of that. Hi, I'm Josie. I'm 15. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I first got into XRYLA in like December of 2019 and since then I've moved on to being arts coordinator. Um, I joined because my friend told me about it and I thought it was really really interesting. Um, also I just wanted to be part of something for the greater community. I think that's really important. Um, so yeah that's me. Hi I'm Zoe. I'm 15. Uh, my pronouns are she her. I have always been interested in climate activism but I think the way I really got into it was I must have been following Extinction Rebellion or maybe even XRLA on Instagram. I saw that Extinction Rebellion was starting a youth chapter on Instagram and I took that opportunity, joined an initially very messy group chat um, and that kind of evolved from there. Um, one of the first things I want to talk about that I think has been really interesting in wider XR, but um, especially in youth organizations and youth movements is organizing in COVID and like the shift because I know I definitely had to shift the way I was organizing from in in person meetings where we would have dynamic things like everything going on a lot of people in a in a one small space especially with youth we have less access to like grander spaces more opportunities so we kind of like I know even like XR Youth New York City was organizing in a basement or like a speakeasy kind of vibe. So um, I wanted to get you guys' perspective on like, how is organizing in COVID? Do you guys have to shift too much? Um, how did that shift happen? And how you guys are doing in general? I can't say there's been a huge shift mostly because I am new to organizing and for the most part I've been organizing in COVID. But I think that because um, we onboarded a bunch of people and really kind of started new during COVID. It's been uh, quite smooth and really easy to adjust to uh, virtual. Before COVID hit, our meetings were on Zoom anyways. Like, I don't know if you guys, if you, Zoe, if you remember, but we had virtual meetings. So it wasn't really a huge difference in terms of like how we met and when, like, but um, it was definitely hard, like, figuring out which actions would be effective online um, and how we could adapt to like not being able to go in person to a strike. Um, but luckily we had a big strike right before COVID. You know, it hasn't been too hard. I actually feel like with online, it's like, it's really cool to like be able to, you know, go to all these different places within your like comfort zone and like just experience different things that you would never really experience. You know, I just feel like it's opened more opportunities for me personally. Yeah, like what Josie said, the bigger difference has definitely been in our actions as opposed to how we meet because it has always been online. I think since COVID and since we've gone all online, we've onboarded more than ever. 
which I think really just goes to show how uh, there's obviously a lot of struggles with the situation, but one of the pros is that we are also connected and plugged into our phones and social media. And so it's a lot easier to reach out and find an audience of people that is interested in joining and activism and that kind of stuff. So that was one of the good things about it. Before we start talking about kind of like what does organizing online mean? I think it would be really important to acknowledge like a lot of people forget we're youth activists. We like are full-time students and like we have classes and homework and tests. Like all of this doesn't suddenly go away when we start holding up a sign and organizing full-time, which just is more work on top of what we usually do. Um, so I wanted to ask like, how has it been kind of balancing, especially um, being in one space, like Josie said, like comfort zone, like in the same spot. I feel like a lot of times before there was like not a blur. Cause like, especially me, I would organize in a different place where I went to school. I would kind of like have to take transportation, trains, buses, subways around. And there was like, kind of like the physical separation of organizing spaces. And I feel like now when I'm in the same room all day setting, I feel like there isn't too much of a shift. So I have to be more kind of, um, conscious and like intentional with the way I kind of go about my shift like this is when school work starts and ends this is when I'm going to start organizing this is when I'm just going to chill um and I wanted to ask about your guys perspective on that yeah well I mean being home for for me at least has opened up um a lot of time which is one of the reasons I started joining more and more and taking on more um because when I, when I still went to school in person, it was, okay, there's a action in the school day. How am I getting out of school? Um, there's a, okay, it's a 15-minute bike ride. I can take the metro or I can walk. How am I getting there? It's um, who's going with me because it's not always fun to be traveling alone in a big city. Um, so you, there was all these factors that if I can go to this or if I can start organizing or do whatever, I have to work around my school schedule, my homework schedule, but now it's a lot more flexible, um, especially for me because I'm now homeschooled completely. I can change my own classes and do whatever. Uh, there's been a lot of more time opening up, uh, but it, yeah, like you mentioned, it's also really important to take time and uh, just chill, which I mean, that's, there's also more time to do that. <laughs> Um, okay, well, for me, it's kind of the opposite. I, a lot of times, I feel really, really stressed with online school, like, going from a new grade, like, the work is a lot different, and there's, I feel like it's a lot more now that, like, online school is, like, you know, really, we've gotten into the rhythm of it, and the teachers are, like, not gonna lie, uh, they can be a little nicer about how much homework they assign, um, so it does get really stressful and then sometimes there's like Wi-Fi issues or I sometimes I just completely forget about calls, um, which is totally my bad. But like for me, it's been stressful, but I'm learning how to manage my time better, you know, so like I have class, then I'll do my homework during my free period. And then I have a little bit before I have a Zoom call for something else. So I'll do some more homework and then. I'll just chill and then I have another call so it's like you know I'm, I'm learning to get into the rhythm of things but it's still difficult um I'm still a human being I'm not perfect so yeah 
online does definitely free up a lot of time, but I think I speak for a lot of people right now when I say between Zoom and just not going out much at all, the motivation is little to none um, just across the board. And I've always been someone who struggles with time management. And um, Alejandro, I think you mentioned it's really hard to, to compartmentalize when you do work in the same room that you sleep in, that you eat in, that you do your extracurriculars in. And so for me, it's been really hard to kind of separate those things. And um, again, just kind of get up enough motivation to get through the day. Um, but again, it does save time not having in-person actions. And I think they're a lot more accessible for people that granted you do have um, Wi-Fi and a computer and stuff. But yeah, like anything, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, so I've definitely been struggling with the time management a little bit. I feel like a lot of people, especially older people, think of us as like the social media generation. Like I, I got an Instagram in third grade and I've had the same account since. Um, and I feel like it's the same for a lot of people that are in there are like age from like 1999 to like 2005 ish um, that we kind of grew up in a world that was shifting, but we kind of were able to adapt because like we got iPods at a very young age and just learned how to use them. Um, so I wanted to see how like what you guys perspective on interacting digitally, especially like getting people to do actions virtually in the way that a lot of times, especially earlier in COVID, there was the big push to kind of like take action, post things, like kind of the inf the rise of infographics and kind of what are you guys' thoughts, the pros and the cons and like kind of the, the pretty and the ugly from doing those and perpetuating it further. Well, I can't, I can't really connect to that because I am so bad with uh, anything digital. I couldn't use Zoom until maybe a month ago. If you make me host, I cannot do anything other than start and stop the call. Um, so there's that, but that's that's just me. I like I totally relate to that. I got Instagram in fifth grade and I've been using it since the same account. And the, with the rise of infographics, I think it's super important that we stress that. Um, I think it's super important that we stress uh, fact checking with these infographics because I've seen so many and I've I like I'll instantly know like this isn't true or this is partially true but the way they're wording it does not make any sense so also um, using social media just to get your information isn't always accurate and um, I think if we keep going with the stereotype that we are the generation to take everything online maybe I mean We've done a lot of things, but again, we're not perfect and we're all human and we all have to, uh, we all make mistakes and we all have to fix those mistakes and learn from those mistakes and fact check. I don't have much to add on to that. I definitely do think that the spread of mis misinformation, especially through Instagram infographics has gotten um, concerning for sure. And I know a lot of people who aren't necessarily big fans of social and environmental activism are already kind of looking at those infographics through um, a critical lens. And so those containing misinformation just really makes it um, a bigger issue for sure. Um, I do feel lucky to have grown up with technological knowledge. Um, it's definitely a curse and a blessing because you spend too much time on your phone, probably. I know I speak for myself when I say that at least. Um, 
But I think the generational difference has been made glaringly obvious seeing, you know, both my parents are teachers, seeing them try to work Zoom or seeing um, my teachers every day trying to figure out how to open a different tab while they're screen presenting, just stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I think I knew before how different we are in terms of generations, but that has really just made it more clear to me. Yeah, I agree with Zoe. It's definitely been nice, like being able to know how to work Zoom and know how to work social media. And like now that XRYLA has like grown our social media platform, it's like easier to advertise stuff. Um, but Alejandro, going back to what you asked about like the pros and cons of online, I do miss like although we have a very big platform, like. I do miss being able to protest and like both post about it on social media and be there and get people's attention and like you know honestly there is nothing better than just going to a strike it just feels so good um so I do miss that because uh, it can be hard to get people to listen to you on social media and not just like you know, scroll through your posts or like, you know, they, it can be hard to really get your message across. Um, but we're learning to adapt to that, which I think is good. I want to talk about like the pros and cons of a virtual platform, especially in the lens of we're organizing in a sense that like, we have to consider like, I feel like when I'm going to call, I like look for the green check to make sure it's like there is encryption enabled because I don't trust Zoom. <laughs> and um like just the way that like I wouldn't let like a random person sit in my room and listen to what I'm talking to I don't want zoom sitting in listening to what I'm talking to so yeah I wanted to get, get your guys perspectives on like virtual platforms in gen general and how switching to them and the greater reliance on them like has affected you guys organizing in general um, especially for like LA specifically and how you guys have done actions well, switching online has done a lot of things, especially because we've onboarded more people. It's kind of like what you said, you wouldn't let somebody uh, just sit in your room. We, we have to give that trust to these new members, which is always the best idea because we're all learning from each other. But like you said, um, being on Zoom, you have to really get comfortable with the people you're around because no matter what you're talking about, what you're talking, what you are uh, planning, what whatever action you're doing you have to make sure you're comfortable with the people you're around and a lot of the time you don't know these people in person which is also kind of the beauty of it is you're able to trust these other activists and people that you know are going to help you and you're able to form these connections even though you're not seeing each other uh face to face um there's also been like another big thing that switching to zoom has done it's uh, created less of a need of communication between different groups because we're not doing so many in-person act actions but at the same time it's made that communication between um, different groups more difficult so when we need them or whatever it's it's a little bit harder to get our message across because we're not used to having that um, kind of communication between each other um i i agree with you that it's like it's so amazing that since we've onboarded new people during COVID we've been able to make these really really strong connections and like um I just think it's all so cool it's so cool that we're all just part of something so big um 
and yet we're like teenagers, we're complete strangers to each other. Most of us have never seen um, a lot of people like in person. We've just seen them through a computer screen, but I think that like what what we're able to accomplish through a computer screen is like, that's the beauty in it. Like all, all of the technological issues and everything, it doesn't matter when we like get our message across, you know, like when there's like the big, thing that you know really puts us out there like it's really cool to like see how many connections that I've made over Zoom. Something I have noticed and I don't know if this is necessarily a good or bad thing is that communication communication over Zoom is a lot more linear than a conversation would be if you were in a group setting in real life. So for XR Youth LA we have been meeting on Zoom even before COVID but again I think it's super different in the sense that if you want to talk in real life, you just go ahead and say it versus we use a stack system where you put yourself um, on stack in the chat using a little asterisk. And it's very your turn, your turn. So yeah, using uh, when we're on Zoom, it, it is very linear. Like you said, a conversation doesn't really have that much room to go one way or another. We have our agenda and we stick to the agenda. And if anything, it's a lot more productive than I feel um, an in-person meeting would be, where, where we just finish everything we need to do, and if whoever wants to stay on and chat after can go ahead and do that, or go a little bit early if the Zoom link is open. But there's really um, a strict time, usually like 40 to minutes to an hour, where we're in this call and 100% attention, and it's not going like maybe three or four hours of a conversation where you're just like lost. Like I can be in a conversation, but not really be in the conversation. And if it, after, at this point, after an hour, I can't, I can't stay, pay attention. It's more difficult for me to pay attention after like an hour of the same conversation. But with this, uh, with this new system, with, with the very, uh, I guess, your turn, your turn, your turn system, uh, everybody gets to speak, everybody gets to say their mind, but you also have, um, a strict, strict schedule. There has been a lot of growth. I feel like all like all across the board in our um, local groups, uh, like across the country, from like you guys, Alabama, to Connecticut, to wherever, Charlotte, DC. Um, there has been growth, but I feel like there also is this kind of barrier versus like when people follow us on Instagram. That's a very different step in like having the not courage, but like wanting and joining a zoom call and putting yourself out there in that way especially like i'm showing my room like the just this, this is where i sleep where i live um and i feel like it's such a personal space that we've kind of gotten used to sharing versus when we would go to a meeting it would be like a kind of neutral like out of time and space zone where we would talk about um xr action and stuff so i wanted to get you guys perspective on anything i just said some of it didn't, probably didn't make sense. No, no, that made sense. But um, what you were talking about, of like how you guys got to go and talk for 20 minutes about something random, while that doesn't seem as productive, it really sounds fun. Like we kind of miss that part of what we are as a community, what we are as, I, I guess, XR, is that we are all people and we don't really get that um, chance to connect in those different ways. Like I said earlier, um, when we're on Zoom or when we're doing whatever, we're we're basically strangers. Like I don't think I know Zoe that well. I definitely don't know you that well. Like we're we're talking to strangers, which is really cool, but also really scary. And you don't 
it's a different connection than it would be in person. Um, and then there's also, I mean, these, it, it, it's more accessible for some and less accessible for others. If you don't have good internet, if you don't have uh, time commitment would, I guess, work either way. If you don't have um, a device to join these meetings on, um, you don't really, you kind of miss out on that, which is unfortunate. Um, and there has been a lack of communication between any, like it, it as stuff happens, I guess, um, when you're not in person, you, stuff gets left out. I mean, I'm sure stuff gets left out all the time, but you really do miss that connection between people. I agree with everything you just said. I just wanna add something on like with Zoom, I agree what you guys said earlier about how the workspace is like a lot more like tense and like professional than let's say an in-person meeting would be. Um, I know for a lot of people it's like hard to like go on a Zoom call with strangers and raise your hand and speak about things. Like for me personally, um, I still struggle with it. But like I do think that if the meetings were held in person, like there would be a stronger sense of community and a stronger sense of like, yes, you can totally raise your hand and talk about whatever you need to talk about. Like, you know, there's just, it's not there on Zoom. Um, Cause I feel like it, with Zoom, there's like no room for like to do other things and to talk about other things. It's like either you do that before the call and you go down early or you do that after the call, but the call is for work only. So it's like, you know, I kind of do wish there was like more time just to like, you know, with a stronger sense of community, just to build our community a little more. So that's definitely one of the cons. But. Yeah, that's definitely been a hard part is losing the community because I'm definitely someone who values that a lot. And I definitely do better when I'm in the presence of other people. Um, I know we mentioned a little bit about having the Zoom cameras, you know, in your room in a place that's supposed to be kind of intimate to you. I think if anything, that's really brought attention to the privilege we have to just be able to have a room that we feel comfortable sharing. I don't know if you guys saw um, a couple months back, there was this news story about two girls who had to do Zoom um, at McDonald's. They might've even been in a parking lot. I could be making that up. Um, but I mean, that was really one of those moments where I kind of, I was like, wow, you know, it is tough that we don't get to see each other in person, but it could be so much worse. And I'm so lucky that I do have now stable internet connection. I was having some Wi-Fi issues there for a while, but um, yeah. So I think this has definitely been a time when I'm recognizing my own privilege more and more for sure. I feel like this loss of community has been, cause we like, I feel like before XR meetings were like a social gathering. Like we would all come at like three and like hang out and then we would have the meeting and then we would all go and like eat somewhere or go somewhere or kind of just hang out because we're all like the same age we're all kind of like have the same interest because we're all organizing for the same thing and I feel like this brings a um, certain community that's so interesting um, but yeah I want to get you guys perspectives on that but yeah with the community part I think the the zoom screens they always remind me that no matter what's going on in everybody else's life, that we're all living through a pandemic and we're all going through this one thing together, which while we are craving that community and we miss seeing our friends and it, it, it gets lonely. We still, we're all uh, experiencing this while not in the same way, we are all experiencing this. We're all feeling 
parts of this pandemic. And we're all here together, trying to make the world a better place uh, together through these screens, through these, through Zoom. Like, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's like a hard thing to navigate, like us complaining because we're living through a pandemic and we're all going through a lot. Like, it sucks, we're in a pandemic. Um, but also we can acknowledge our own struggles while also acknowledging that a lot of people are suffering it worse than we are and realizing our situation is like, like I'm living in the city I go to school in, like my college is like a five minute walk away from me. Um, and I am very happy and I'm very thankful for like what I'm living through. Um, but also realizing that I have struggles versus someone that like is also struggling in a pandemic. And I feel like these accommodations that we're making um, have to be like far reaching and have to be like very critical because like people aren't able to organize in the same capacity they were before because there's a billion things more to worry about. And especially with COVID exposing so many different things in our messed up everything or messed up like system of welfare, of insurance, of um, hospitals of like commercialization of like everything under the sun, our military budget, our an inactive government. I can go on and on and on. But um, realizing that like people are being affected and kind of mobilizing that way of like the spread of mutual aid. I feel like something that we've done very well, especially compared to other groups that have kind of made it more of a performative a lot of other groups that have been more performative in their kind of um action for people that are suffering for especially with focusing and like highlighting and platforming black lives especially with like the tremendous horrors and the like uprising that we had that was amazing and making sure that we're mobilizing in a way that's parallel if not like next like next to nothing with them um i feel like is really important and is something that we really can't ignore when organizing in COVID because that has been intrinsically tied to COVID. Like when they write about the history books about COVID, they're also going to mention the protests um, in the same in the same like sentence. Um, so yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that. We were actually just having this conversation on our last call, on our weekly general call, that um, uh, somebody mentioned that uh, we that they feel that the climate. Um, justice community kind of didn't really get highlighted last year that um that the fight for climate justice wasn't like what's the word the, the most important thing people had in mind but um i think that because uh because it's no longer the looming issue of all of our minds we can also see that all of the we can see that that because it isn't like like what everybody thought that what, what some people think that we should be highlighting, we can also see that there are a lot of other factors that come into uh, the climate uh, climate injustice. Like we can also see that water injustice, that uh, food instability in, um, in housing, in all these different things, we can see where they come together. And I think that's what I really learned this year, last year personally, is that it's not just the climate movement and it's not just climate change that we need uh, that we need to fight for. We need to fight for the communities that are suffering um, because in the end, it all comes together. I totally agree with Zara. The year 2020 was like, like I became a climate activist. Like I realized climate activism and fighting for climate justice 
is so much more than just global warming and like the polar ice caps, although that's a huge part of it. Like joining XR has made me realize it's not just about that. It's about the fashion industry. It's about environmental racism. It's about the water crisis. Like there are so many subtopics that go into climate injustice that like, you know, like, and we, we've done actions about so many of these things. And it's like, it's just been such an eye-opening experience for me. Like just learning how, although yes, like, you know, like, especially with, you know, there are things that there are just so many factors that go into climate justice, you know, like, it's just it like 2020 has made me realize that and I hope to learn more about it in 2021. Josie, I'm definitely with you on the fact that this year was such a big learning opportunity. And I have learned so much, I definitely still have a lot to learn. Um, but I always knew that environmental racism was very much a thing, but I think this year, a lot of us learned how intertwined the two are, for sure. What are your guys' thoughts on like world leaders' action and especially inaction during COVID when you're comparing like New Zealand to us to somewhere in between like Japan or something? I think how we've seen the leaders of specifically this country handle COVID and just other general public health concerns really speaks volumes. You look at um, I know you mentioned New Zealand. They, I'm not sure how they are now, but at one point they were down to zero cases. I saw people out living their lives. They were going to parties. They were going to farmer's markets. I don't know why that's the first thing that pops into my mind, but I mean, they were really all good. And I think although we have a democracy, this is really called attention to, because of our democracy, we do get to choose who we elect, but that choice is very limited. And I think a lot of times we aren't electing people who really have the average American's best interest in mind. When I say average American, I mean um, the working class, the lower class, marginalized communities. I mean, everyone, right? Um, and I think after we're approaching in March, it'll be a year after COVID shut everything down in the U.S. and they're going to throw um, a $600 stimulus check at us. Yes, that helps, but I mean, to what extent? I, it's really maddening to see how little most of our elected leaders care um, and how we still, I know I at least put them on a pedestal, um, the ones I liked at least a lot before this year, because I thought I really, I had this trust for people. Um, when I say people, I mean, I guess authority a little bit more, um, government leaders specifically, and I thought, well, you know, they, they're a lot more educated, they're older, they must have everything together and they must really want what's best for us. And of course, I didn't believe that about everyone. Um, but I think this year has definitely been eye-opening and seeing um, even the flaws with people who are often idolized, like AOC, how she hasn't been outspoken enough about anti-Semitism, for instance. I'm definitely going on a little bit of a tangent here, but um, no, I think more than ever, um, a lot of people our age are frustrated and feel really betrayed by how our elected officials are handling America. Well, yeah, back to what Zoe was saying. I mean, you really see how much these politicians care about their, their people based on how they reacted to um, COVID-19, how they reacted to um, all the civil unrest, uh, to everything, everything that's been happening this past year, how they reacted to um, the protests, how they reacted to um, 
yeah, the, the fires in California. You can really see how much they care about uh, people, which unfortunately doesn't seem to be a lot. Um, and how people put the politicians on a pedestal and often idolize them when we really shouldn't, at least in my opinion, we really shouldn't. Uh, people who pretend to be great, but aren't always in everybody's, have everybody's best interest at heart. Awesome. So then we can start doing final thoughts. Okay. Um, organize, climate, like organizing online has definitely been a challenge. Um, but like, it's also been a huge, huge learning experience for me. Like I learned to speak out more about things that I'm passionate about. I filmed this podcast, which is like a really big step for me. So I'm, I'm really, really like, just, although this has been so hard to adapt to, I'm really thankful for it. Cause I think that it's really, really changed me as a person. Like I'm a lot more confident and I can like, you know, now I can hold both myself and peers accountable for things that they've said um, and things that I've said and done. So it's just, yeah, I'm really appreciative of it. Of it. <laughs> Yeah, building off of what Joseph said, I think this last year has really taught me to hold others accountable as well as myself. I feel like that's also really hard to kind of get used to is um, I didn't do that right, or we didn't do that right, or next time let's do that. Um, because we always want to, or at least I, I always want to go say, oh, I, I was right, I'm always right. And it, it's really it's really taught me to um, not only hold myself accountable, hold our community accountable, hold others accountable, but um, to really branch out. I mean, I know, like Josie said, nine months ago, 10 months ago, I would have never hopped on a Zoom call and done a podcast. Like I would not, that was not something I could think about doing. Um, I think despite all the tragedy, all the um, all these cases going up and what continues to be uh, like really sad and there's been some good parts of this past year. There've been a lot of good parts of this past year. And um, I would not say that I would trade it. I wouldn't trade it because I know we've grown, I've grown, um, like us as a society, us as a country has grown. Um, and hopefully we grow up because I think that's the only way to grow. For sure. The name of the game this year has definitely been for, I feel like a lot of people reflecting on past mistakes and growing, readjusting values and all of that stuff. Um, we are going as hard as we can, per se, um, in terms of online activism, but I do hope that if and when um, COVID is over or it allows for us to go back to in-person meetings, I do feel like we are really going to have to um, have to just go as hard as we can because we already have less than 10 years before the climate crisis becomes irreversible and who knows how long that's going to be when we get back to in-person meetings. And I do personally feel like when you see a large group of people gathered in a photograph in the news that has more of an impact than a social media campaign per se. Um, and so one of my hopes is that again, if and when we do get to go back in person, we go all out because we are running out of time. And that is that. So I wanted to thank everyone at the guests that we had, Josie, Zoe, uh, Zara, for being on the podcast, uh, all of XR Youth LA for you guys, your guys' amazing work. This has been Alejandro from XR Youth um, Love and Rage. 
Um, thank you and good night, good morning, whatever time of day it is. Next team.